Welcome to The Breach, a Charlie Mike podcast. I'm Ty Braxton, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen in today. We're a group of Christians that discuss issues surrounding us today and how to build our faith and strengthen our walk with the Lord. We want to provide you with tools so that you can Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike is better understood as continue mission, and we want you to be able to Charlie Mike in your own mission field. Let's get started. Welcome to The Breach, Season 3, Episode 9. I'm Ty, and I'm going to talk about something that I've never really heard this angle from, um, and the topic is how will hell rejoice? Hell will rejoice in one of two ways concerning you. Will hell rejoice because we give in to the things that hinder revival? There are many things that hinder revival, as we've discussed in some of the other episodes. And we're just going to talk about a couple today. But the other way hell can rejoice is when we are out of the fight, because we won't let those things that hinder revival hinder us when carrying revival. So we've talked about birthing things on past episodes and how God puts things in our hearts as believers. And let's just kind of, let's call it a debt. Like the apostle Paul did in Romans 1.14. He said, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. I think that's key here because many of the apostles thought that that message was for the Jews only. But the apostle Paul doesn't leave out the Greeks and barbarians, which obviously the Greeks is anyone who's not a Jew. And he also mentions the wise and the unwise. Now, there's a lot of unwise people who think they are wise because they're living the herd mentality. Their actions say everyone else is going against the God who carries wisdom. So maybe God is the unwise one. And we as Christians must carry a burden for the lost. That's obvious, no matter how lost they may seem. And we may think many are beyond redemption, but we were once lost before we encountered the love of God. And we cannot give up on people no matter how much we disagree or how much hurt has been done, no matter what political aisle they sit on, because we have to stand against darkness and speak out, but out of love, never hate towards the people. We must hate the things that God hates, but God does not hate the people. So when God places a call on our lives, it normally includes an area of operation, which is a location, um, like an arena or a neighborhood, an office, a street corner. And it also includes a ministry with a name attached to it. And what I mean with that last one is a ministry with a title. And that could be uh, a church or a charity or a missions team or like Charlie Mike. Now, something I'm ashamed to admit, and I've had to repent of this, is giving into a feeling of abandonment. When we are a part of a ministry and people walk away or people give less effort or aren't all in or they're easily swayed by demands of life, it's easy to feel like we stand alone or have been abandoned But the problem is we are looking to people at this point for affirmation instead of the one who sent us on our assignment. 
we stop looking for satisfaction that comes from God from being obedient and what we need to sacrifice. And we start looking for that satisfaction from the people around us. And a lot of times we see this in the workplace and some, for some of us, it started in school. Uh, we see group projects, you know, we have people who do less, but reap the same benefits as the people doing all the work. They receive the same grade and in the workplace, they could receive the same pay. But that's not necessarily true if we detach for a moment. Uh, Many times we see the hard workers get a better grade because of peer evaluation. So when we did group projects in college, we had peer evaluations like the other people in the group had to take notes on what everybody else was doing so we could weed out the people who were being lazy. And we see people get promoted with a raise because the boss sees the effort put in. Now, there are times where the people that are undeserving of a promotion get the promotion. But God sees what we are doing with what we have been given. And he will provide what we need if we have been good stewards with what we have been given. And we really need to look at stewardship like a budget. We have to budget money. We have to budget time. This sounds weird, but we have to budget our family, budget our work. We even have to budget the gospel. That sounds a little off. I know. It's the greatest investment we can make. And we should sow as much of the gospel into our lives as well into the lives of others as we can. This is where we will see how hell will rejoice. Will the Christian go off the path to give more attention to fleshly desires and prevent the Christian from preaching the gospel? Or will the Christian take territory from hell that hell can only rejoice once that Christian is called home? Hell has done a wonderful job at distorting the gospel. I believe in prosperity, but not greed disguised as prosperity. When I say prosperity, I believe that if you were called and you're being obedient, being a good steward, then God will bless you with what you need to complete that mission. And It might not look like money or material things. It might be patience. It might be like revelation that's coming from his word when you're spending time in his word and through prayer. It could be the many gifts that he gives us that is evidence of our salvation. We think the Great Commission says, believe in a conscious way that God exists and you will go to heaven. But that Hebrew word for believe actually means follow, like surrender your life to God. That life is no longer yours to do with as you like. We think the gospel says, go make converts, but it really says, go make disciples. Then we think, okay, the Bible says, go and make disciples, unless the job calls me away from that or something is wrong with my house, or my family just needs more time with me. My schedule is just so hectic. And I think about those people that Jesus told to follow him and, you know, follow me, you know, unless you need to go bury your family or follow me unless, you know, you want to keep your riches. That that was not the case. It was let the dead bury their own dead. Sell all you have, give to the poor. And I'm not telling you to sell everything you have because we've discussed this on past episodes before. 
he addressed the one thing that had the heart of the rich young ruler. His, his possessions had control of his life. And that control can look like a number of things. It could be your family. It could be your position at jo- a job. It could be your position in a church even. The job isn't your provision. The house isn't the home you need to be building up for eternity. The family isn't something to hide behind to spare you from the work Christ has called you to. That schedule is a budget and God is not the first thing you cut out. Like it's not a priority and we get confused because we think we can find time, but we never find it. We have to make time. And I'm sure you've heard that plenty of times and it can go in one ear and out the other because we've become familiar with it and we've become numb to it almost because it's just something that people say, but it is a reality. If you make it a reality, the simplest cure is making that time to have an intimate relationship with Christ in our personal prayer life with him. When we do that, we get the revelation from his word, and we also receive directions for our assignments. We get healing from our ailments. And our priorities uh, for our schedule will change. Our willingness uh, will be for that schedule to be interrupted. Like it's going to be okay if our schedule is interrupted. Because we're allowing him to use us instead of us using him. And we love looking for the hands of God because we want a handout instead of seeking his face. When we aren't seeking his face fully because we're focused on other people, we can become very judgmental um, because we fall into the trap of comparison. And that can be with non-believers and it can be with other believers. Instead of comparing our lives to what God has called us to, so that standard that God has put before us, that's what we should be comparing our lives to. Are we meeting the standard that God has, you know, laid out for us? And we want to ignore that because looking at what God expects of us will make us realize we are falling short because we're spending too much time and attention on other things because we're not budgeting but we're spending too much time and attention on what others are doing instead of what we should be doing. When comparing to others, we can also feel alone. We may feel like we are the only ones that are all in and feel alone. And we can take on a victim's mentality. And listen, I'm speaking from experience. This is recent for me. And the Holy Spirit revealed this through my wife as we were going down the road in the car this week. She was talking about a mother she knew who was super excited about having a baby and everyone sharing in that excitement, like constantly, oh, when's the baby due? And they were always over at the house and super excited. And the mother thought that most of those people would be over at the house, sharing in her excitement, wanting to see the baby, wanting to hold the baby, wanting to play with the baby, you know, being a part of what she had birthed. And it hit me that that was something I was struggling with. But the way my wife told it was, I don't know, it just clicked because I was struggling so hard at what God had given me to birth. And not many people were sharing 
and the excitement that I had for my assignment. And I couldn't understand why, because it was something that came from God. So I thought that everybody would have the same excitement that I had, but they didn't birth it. So why would they have the same excitement or put the same effort in as I was putting in? That didn't make much sense, but I didn't see it until this simple story. And most of the time you want outside people you're trying to influence for the kingdom to show the same level of excitement and involvement. And that is simply not going to happen because God did not give them your ministry to be birthed by them. That's like saying that my pastors want me to do the exact same thing that they are doing. I fall under their covering and I press with them, but I am not going to be counseling the congregation, preaching on a weekly basis to the congregation, interacting with the board and making tough decisions that only God has called them to carry. But I can pray for them and show up and learn what God has provided through them. But that's not always going to happen with your ministry, okay? It's just don't get discouraged because when you get discouraged, you can get distracted. And I'm telling you this because I've been super distracted. The problem is when you get distracted, this is when hell can rejoice over us because we're more concerned about who is following us instead of if we are steadfastly following God. We will put a ton of effort into what people think about us. We will put a ton of effort into what people see and what people think about us and try to gain a following. So let's use the day-to-day normal family that goes to church. Hell will rejoice if we're spending more time getting ready for church on Sunday morning than we do in God's word or in his presence the rest of the week. Or... We will spend more time going to church than being the church and witnessing the lives of flaky people can be super frustrating. And that's where a lot of discouragement will come from, but that shouldn't affect our level of obedience because if we start taking time from what has been birthed to give our energy and effort to the things and people that refuse to carry the fire of revival, then it will be our assignment that needs to be revived because that assignment has been neglected because we're giving our energy and our attention to other things. We need to remember that it's okay if we come against resistance. Paul was rejected at many turns to the point of persecution and even death that most Christians will never encounter, but he refused to stop preaching the gospel, even though he was turned away over and over. But we need to stop finding excuses that keep us from gathering together. God will not call you to something that keeps you from other believers or keeps you from your assignment and keeps you from encouraging the assignments of others. God will not bless you with something that will hinder your growth. If it does, it may very well be from the devil. We are not called to go to the nations to make disciples only when it is convenient. If we wait for the perfect variables in order to go reach nations, we just we won't go. And the gospel is not about us. So our schedules and our comforts 
cannot be used as an argument. The gospel is about Christ. The gospel is about what Christ has done for us and the glory going to God. If you have experienced that, there is no way your primary goal will be blessings. Our primary goal will be to make disciples, to love people back to life, and to use blessings that we have asked for, for the glory of God, not our own glory. And I had to repent of the things that I may have been neglecting, like the things that I had not done because I was spending too much time looking at others. Because condemnation was filling my spirit, and I know that I'm free in Christ, but in order for it to be real, I have to live it out and leave any feeling that hindered me from my assignment at the feet of Jesus. You can do the same thing. Repent and serve God today in a way like you've never done before. When we are carrying out the ministry Christ has given us, we can fall into the trap of uh, glory seeking instead of glory giving. We can say, look at all the things I'm doing for Christ. Like we are trying to prove to the world that uh, we're super Christians. It's actually repulsive and keeps people from Christ because that's when they see the holier than thou people. Like, look how much I'm doing just so you can see how little you're doing. It's very repulsive. And we need to be obedient and give God every ounce of glory for everything he helped us accomplish because we can't do it on our own. Like think about David and Goliath. It's a well-known story. Let's go back to David and Goliath. David, when facing Goliath, never said, I come in the name of David. David said, I come in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Think about that statement because there's a lot there. <laughs> he comes in the name of Lord Almighty. So he's showing the authority. Then he enforces that authority with the God of the armies of Israel. Like, even though they're being cowards behind me, like there's, he's still God over them. And he, then he says, whom you have defied. So he tells Goliath, you've defied the Lord almighty and the God of Israel. So are we like Goliath more than we're like David? Are we defying God and seeking glory like Goliath was for ourselves? Or are we like David who goes in the place of all the people that hell was rejoicing over because of their cowardice? But hell rejoiced over David when he died because he was out of the fight. David wasn't able to do that after he died. So I'm sure hell was like, oh, he's finally gone. Thank you. But they were rejoicing over the armies of Israel as they were still living because they wouldn't stand in the name of the Lord Almighty. No, hell rejoiced over David when he died. I can guarantee you that because he was finally out of the fight. And we see that in the many years to follow because hell then began rejoicing because it had its way with the nation chosen by God. And we can see that through the many kings that came after David and Solomon who defied God. Hell will rejoice when we are stagnant and idle and lazy 
But I would rather hell rejoice when my physical body dies because I am out of the fight. But the funny thing is, hell will have to deal with all the things that God birthed through me when I'm gone. That's the inheritance that I want to leave this world. That's the inheritance that I want to leave my children. Something that snatches souls from hell well after I'm gone. As Paul Washer said, if Christ does not come back for another thousand years, you will see him in less than a hundred. So in that less than a hundred, will hell rejoice that you're gone, finally, out of the fight, causing torment, stealing souls. We need to stop giving hell a reason to rejoice. And this is something the strongest Christians can fall into from time to time. Like we just have to repent when we recognize it and God reveals it to us. And we say, God, I'm sorry. I did not mean to fall for that stupid trap. Thank you for revealing it to me. And let's do a 180 and go the other way. We got to stop worrying about when Christ will return and start preparing people to return to Christ. Stop the comparison. We have to stop the comparison with other people because normally when we're comparing ourselves, we're worried about the opinions. Stop carrying the opinions of man and start carrying revival. Carry what God has told you to carry, what what you've birthed. And if you have birthed it, then you must not rely on everyone else to nurture it. And that's it's hard to swallow because you want to do it with someone else. Nobody wants to do the thing alone. Stop trying to burden others with your judgmental attitude through comparison or burden others with your assignment because you don't want to take full responsibility for what has been entrusted to you. Make disciples in the way God has told you to go. Don't get distracted. Charlie Mike. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and are ready to come to God, we at Charlie Mike would like to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But first, we want to be clear. Praying a sinner's prayer is not a ticket into heaven. These are not magic words. You must follow Christ and live for Him. You cannot receive salvation by your own merits, but by what Jesus has already done. Ask to receive the Holy Spirit to be filled and experience what God has for you. You will not live the same life and you won't be able to keep Jesus to yourself if you become a Christ follower. 1 John 2, 4 tells us that the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Those commandments are to love God and to love others. If you love God, you will follow him. And if you truly love others, you will want others to experience God and give their lives to him as well. So if you are ready to pray, pray this. God, I ask for forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me, and nothing I have done wrong is too great for the power of his blood that was shed for me. I am ready to forsake the world and live a changed life because I realize how much you love me. I love you, and I'm ready to live for you. If you made the decision to surrender yourself to God and follow Jesus, I encourage you to spend time daily with him in prayer, reading his word and worshiping him for who he is. Much will be revealed to you in this time with him. Be a part of a community of believers who grow in the fullness of God's word and join a church that does the same. Get involved and stay accountable with each other. Also, please let us know that you made this decision by emailing us at charliemike.me 
at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash charlie mike international 